passes, hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Yeah, this is the time. Baseball is real. Baseball is here. The pitchers and catchers are already in Tempe, Arizona with the rest of the squad on their way. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. All right, here's what we're going to do. On this episode, we are going to go position by position and just do a breakdown of everything you need to know about Angels baseball. Catch up to speed. If you have kind of missed out on some of the things that have happened over the offseason, we'll fill you in on some things to keep an eye on in spring training, the way that it looks like the roster is going to kind of shake out and get you all ready to go. So when you get your red on and you get out to Tempe, Arizona to go see the Angels, you're going to get your tickets. You're going to call 888-796-HALO. You're going to go to angels.com slash spring to go get your tickets for spring training. When you go do all that and you get out to Tempe, Arizona to go see the Halos, you're going to be the smart one in the seats. You're going to be able to tell your friends and people sitting around you everything you're going to need to know about Angels baseball to make sure everybody is ready for what is sure to be a really fun 2020. So we're going to start with the position players and a little bit later on we'll get to the pitchers and talk briefly about the bullpen at the end. But first I got to tell you about my guy Matt Luke. You guys remember Matt Luke, right? We've talked about it here on the show a couple of times. Former Angel Dodger player. Well now he's a broker with major league properties. So if you're looking to buy, sell, lease, or or get property management services, let Matt bring you home. He's assisting the needs of clients and families with buying, selling, and managing residential real estate, and he's been doing that for the last 16 years. He's bringing you all-star service, and you're getting major league results. All you got to do is call Matt today. His phone number is 714-202-6262. One more time, write this down, 714 714- 202-6262. Matt Luke is bringing experience, hard work, and integrity to real estate. Also, visit his website, MajorLeagueSoCal.com. Touch base with Matt, and he'll make sure to go to bat for you. Okay, let's begin here. We're going to start with position players in this segment. We'll take a time out, come back, talk pitchers, and then we'll talk about some storylines. So we got to start with the catching position. And remember last year, uh, Jonathan Lucroy was the free agent ad. He came into the year. Um, also, Kevin Smith was that backup role, decent hitter, but struggled a little bit defensively. Totally different group this year. The Angels going with Jason Castro as their new catcher, going to spring training. And Max Stassi likely will be the backup role. I, I would expect that um, maybe not quite two-thirds to a third split between Castro and Stassi, but I definitely expect uh, Jason Castro to get a bulk of the workload when it comes to catcher position for the Angels, and this is an increase for the Halos. He projects as a two-win player, according to the fan graphs this year, and Max Stassi uh, projects as a a one-and-a-half win player, so you're you're talking about a 3.5 projected war out of the catching position. Fan graphs thinks that's one of the top five in all of baseball. Offensively, what Jason Castro was able to do last year for the Twins was he hit 232. I know that's not like a a mega number, but in just 79 games, did hit 13 home runs, drove in 30. Um, Jason Castro is an upgrade defensively. I mean, you know, his on-base percentage, 332, that's pretty good. I mean, that means he's getting a lot of walks. When your batting average 
is 100 points lower than your on-base percentage, that's actually a pretty good sign about his ability to find different ways to get on base. And while Jason Castro is going to upgrade the Angels from an offensive perspective, I am more interested than what he's going to do from a defensive perspective. How about this stat on Jason Castro? Uh, Not only did he tie for the best in Major League Baseball last year with a 9.99 fielding percentage. He had just one error in over 600 innings. He also ranks seventh in the junior circuit in pitch framing. So he's a really good pitch framer. And that's going to be an element that is going to really help an Angels rotation that is improved this year. The Angels rotation is going to be a lot better this year than it was a season ago. Um, probably better than a couple of years, the last few years. I, I think the Angels rotation is better. We'll talk more about that later. But Jason Castro is a big piece that helps the Angels in all three areas. He's an upgrade offensively, he's an upgrade defensively, and he's going to help the pitching staff. This is a really good move for the Angels in that regard. And then you have Max Stassi, who really doesn't bring a whole lot as far as hitting goes, but is an outstanding defensive catcher and probably uh, better defensively than even Jason Castro is. And Jason Castro is pretty darn good. So as far as defensive ability from the catching position, the Angels are about as good as you can do. And, you know, the Angels view the catcher spot, and Joe Madden has talked about this, as being a key element to helping a pitching staff. And, and the Angels are going to get that with Jason Castro and Max Dassey. You also have Anthony Bemboom, who we have seen a little bit, and he's kind of that third catcher trying to earn a, a job there. Maybe Jack Kruger is a name that you're going to see in spring training, trying to earn a, a little bit of a role when it comes to um, you know fighting for a spot at the catching position. But really, it's Castro and Stassi. I'm just talking about some organizational depth uh, with those other guys. But Castro and Stassi, that group is top five in baseball as far as a tandem is concerned uh, for what they're able to bring in terms of win value, according to the projections on Fangraphs. So a projected war fifth in all of baseball uh, for what they do. And, and Castro's a decent hitting catcher. Stassi isn't, but it's really their defense that is the key there. Uh, so the catching position, I think, is one that Angels fans can be excited about coming into this season. Okay, so as far as first base is concerned, the Angels don't really get as much love on the computer as the other positions are. In fact, uh, Fangraphs uh, ranks the Angels 26th at first base. I think that's a little bit misleading because I don't think the computer values the RBI stat uh, the way that others do, and I think there is some value to that. Look, I know it's not, you know, there's there's a lot of philosophies out there, and you know, some people are like totally against RBI and and say, oh, that means nothing, and then some people are like, oh, totally against WAR and that means nothing, and, and I honestly fall somewhere in between. I think it's important to look at some of these projective numbers uh, to kind of get an idea, get a sense of, of what you can expect you know I, I do look at you know weighted on base average and weighted runs created plus that does say something to me but I also do think the most important stats in baseball are runs and RBI in the sense that you got to score runs to win games and yes there is an element of chance and luck that comes into the RBI stats uh, it's based a lot of times on opportunity and coming up with guys on base in the right situations but there is still an art to driving in runs. There is still an art to being somebody that can be a run producer for you. And quite frankly, Albert Pujols has a knack for that. You look at Albert Pujols' splits from a season ago, Albert Pujols was a lot different hitter with guys on base and guys in scoring position than he was when nobody was on base and nobody was in scoring position. So last year, Albert Pujols, 244 batting average, 305 on base percentage, 734 OPS. He hit 23 home runs. 
and was able to drive in 93 RBI. Albert Pujols drove in 93 runs in under 500 at-bats, so 491 at-bats last season for Albert Pujols. Had to play a lot of first base last year. I would imagine the at-bats actually go a little bit down this year. But look at these numbers. With runners in scoring position, Albert hit 294 with a 362 on base percentage, hit nine home runs, drove in 75. Obviously, the RBI numbers are going to be increased with runners in scoring position. But hit 294 with runners in scoring position, hit 212 with nobody on base. Even with a man on, hit 284. I mean, he was just a completely different hitter when there were guys on base. And, you know, I, there, there is just something to your mentality and the way you approach it at bat when your job is to bring in runs as opposed to coming up with nobody on base. And, and that is something that Albert Pujols, he, he is not what he was when he was in St. Louis, okay? And I think we can all accept that. Albert Pujols is still a productive player for what he does in that regard. I mean, there were a lot of things where Albert Pujols struggled last year, but one area he did not was with runners in scoring position. 294 average, 913 OPS with runners in scoring position. So Albert was really productive in that sense. He's just a different hitter, and it's it's a mental thing. You, you just you think about the game differently when you have a, a plan of attack and something that you're trying to do, a goal, move a runner over, bring a runner in. It's just a different, it's a different philosophy that you take and you change your approach in that at bat. Now, some guys don't. Some guys are the same all the time. Albert Pujols very obviously does. And that's beneficial. I mean, 93 RBI, that's that's good for the Angels. I mean, that, that's outstanding. I mean, if Albert drives in 93 again at this lineup, oh my goodness, it's going to be awesome. I do think we're going to see more Tommy LaStella at first base. The reality is you want to make sure you have Tommy LaStella on the field as much as possible because, look, he was an all-star last year. And before he got hurt, who knows uh, what kind of season he could have. And and considering you got David Fletcher who can play second base and, you know, Anthony Rendon over at third. And, I mean, there's just kind of a log jam. you got to have Fletcher on the field. you got to have LaStella on the field. you got to have Rendon on the field. you got to have Simba. You need Albert Pujols to be driving in runs for you. I mean, there's only so much room to go around. And I think an area where LaStella gets more playing time time is going to be over at first base and he projects as a half win player for first base alone uh Tommy LaStella does Albert Pujols uh, a projected war of zero according to fan graphs uh, but again fan graphs does not value the RBI like I just explained and the other key too is going to be Matt Theis one it's it's bringing a left-handed bat into the Angels lineup he only hit 211 last year in uh, 147 plate appearances OPS is 714 Okay, that wasn't great. Matt Thijs struggled last year. There's no secret around that. But, I mean, he's a young dude. I mean, considering he's only 24 years old, um, you know, a former first-round pick, I think optimism remains with Matt Thijs, especially with what he was able to do this year in Winter Bowl. I mean, there is some talk that Matt Thijs really increased his stock for having a really good Winter Bowl season. One, many scouts came back saying Matt Thijs has really improved defensively. So that was good to hear. But on top of that, 263 batting average, that was good. But a 391 on base percentage for Matt Theis in, in 11 winter ball games. The thing about playing in the Dominican League and playing in winter ball is if you don't succeed, you get cut. And there is pressure every day. Every time you're on the field, there's pressure. And the crowds are rocking, and it's an intense atmosphere. And for a young player to feel that kind of intensity, gosh, in, in some ways there is more intensity in winter ball than there is in the major leagues. 
For a lot of guys, that makes players better. I, I know that um, you know. I know a lot of people, uh, diehard, true and true baseball people, that love winter ball for that reason. Because especially for a young player that maybe hasn't really felt all that much heat in their life, to go to the Dominican and to experience that and then come back, it, it can make you a better major league player. And I think that Matt Thice is going to experience some of that. So I think Thice ends up getting a decent role over at first base as well. I think the goal for the Angels would be to be able to have Listella and Thice be productive enough and good enough at first base to where you can let Albert Pools rest more often so that he's not facing righties all the time. You know, especially having Thice, a left-handed bat, you know, you, you want to re- reduce Albert's at-bats against right-handed pitching. But more than anything, allow Albert to get enough rest so that when he is in the lineup and when he is having to play first base, because Shohei Otani is still going to DH this year, and Albert's still going to have to play a lot of first, you, you want him to be on the field as healthy as possible. I think the Angels will be a better team for that if Albert Pujols is as close to 100% as possible whenever he's on the field. So that that puts pressure on Listella, that puts pressure on Thice, other guys to step up. Uh, but Albert Pujols is still a productive run producer, and, and even though the computer doesn't like the Angels at first base, I think it's actually going to be a little bit better uh, than what they're projected at. And speaking of Listella, let's go over to second base now. And this is what's so interesting to me. Like, if you're watching MLB Network or ESPN or whenever they put up a graphic about the Angels at second base, they say that Tommy Lestella is going to be the starting second baseman. I don't think that's true. I think it's going to be David Fletcher. And I've told some people that. They don't want to listen to me. I know that that's like a, that's like a jarring thing to hear when you say, well, wait, Lestella was an all-star last season. But I think David Fletcher is going to be – the primary leadoff man for the Angels, and I think that David Fletcher is going to be the primary second baseman for the Angels. I think he's good at second base, and we have heard Joe Madden rave about David Fletcher. And I mean, and, and think about Fletcher's versatility, right? You can play at second base. He can play shortstop if you need him. You can have Anthony Rendon get a day off, and Fletcher can move over to third, and life is great. And that's the beauty of David Fletcher. He can play everywhere. He can be a starter and a utility man. And you're not losing – when you have a starter go out, you essentially have another starter replacing him. That's that caliber. Obviously, when Anthony Rendon is not in the lineup, that's going to hurt the Angels' chances to win the baseball game. Same way that when Mike Trout's not in the lineup, it hurts the Angels' chances to win the game. But it doesn't hurt you as much as it would have when you have a starter caliber player in David Fletcher. And maybe Fletch has to play some left field this year. You know, Who knows? Maybe he has to play some right field too. The beauty of David Fletcher is he can play all over the place – and he's good with it. Like, it doesn't bother him at all. He just wants to be in the lineup and play baseball. And that's what fans love about David Fletcher. I totally understand all of that. So, uh, Fletcher, to me, though, is going to be the the everyday second baseman primarily for the Angels. But I, I maybe not every day. I think he's going to be in the lineup almost every day. He had the most innings. Believe it or not, David Fletcher last year played the most games of any Angel, and he had the most hits of any Angel. Okay? You can't take that guy out of the lineup. Can't take that guy off the field. But we we got to see Tommy Listell a lot, too. Let's look at Fletch's numbers from a season ago. He had a war of 3.8, uh, 290 batting average, drove in 49 runs, hit just six home runs. But you don't, you're not asking for power out of David Fletcher. 350 on base percentage. David Fletcher does a lot of things right. and Obviously, his versatility and his heart and his hustle, and you love all those things. And a lot of that doesn't even get factored into the computer. 
But I think that it's going to be different, too, with Joe Madden as manager. Joe Madden has talked a lot about how much he loves David Fletcher and that this guy may be one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. So I think you're going to have a lot of David Fletcher. The computer actually projects regression for David Fletcher, and that may end up happening. I don't know. But I I think things would be better for David Fletcher with Joe Madden with some consistency. And if things end up being what Fangraphs projects, the Angels projected a 2.6 war at the second base position uh, with David Fletcher with a 1.51. Remember, he was 3.8 a season ago. That's good for ninth, so you're in the, the upper third in all of baseball uh, for what you know the second base position brings you, and I think that's a conservatively low number. I, I think the Angels are actually going to be better at second base uh, than that position. I mean, if, if Fletch ends up being you know a, a three-win player and then you also factor in you know Tommy LaStella too, the Angels could once again have a top five uh, second base position. So I, I am optimistic about what's to come for the Angels at second base. And we haven't even talked about Luis Rangifo. And Luis Rangifo last season got a lot of playing time at second base, especially with Lestella's injury, missed a lot of time. I think the value of Rangifo is what's to come next year, and it's going to force the Angels to have to make a difficult decision with Andleton Simmons. What do you do? That's a contract year for Simba. And Rangifo is in place to where Rangifo could be the replacement, at least as a utility guy, because you know it's also a contract year for Tommy Lestella. So the Angels are going to have to sort out their middle infield after this season. But right now, they actually have a surplus. But it also, Rangifo could be the guy that ends up, I don't know if he ends up being a stopgap or uh, ends up being, you know, he projects as a, as a good Major League Baseball player. But you have Jeremiah Jackson come to the system, and you have a lot of elite middle infield prospects that are still a little bit of a ways away, but probably within two to three years of being at the big league level. I mean, Anderson Simmons is the best defensive player in baseball. Certainly the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball, but he's 30 years old. So how much longer can you expect that from Andleton Simmons? And what is to come in the future? And that's something that is going to have to be figured out. I am so glad I am not the one that has to make that decision. I don't know what you do. I want to keep Andleton Simmons as long as possible. But I also don't want to jeopardize the future if a decline begins to happen in in two or three years and and maybe some of the guys aren't ready yet. I mean, he's so good. He's so athletic. Maybe he ends up being like Omar Vizquel and, and just plays a great shortstop forever. That could happen. You'd hate to give up on that guy early, but who knows what the market's going to command for somebody as talented as Anderson Simmons. That's a tough one to figure out. But in the meantime, as far as the Angels' middle infield is concerned, this year's a great year. The Angels' middle infield might be their biggest issue because there is so much talent between Fletcher and Listella and Simmons and Rangifo. And honestly, Rangifo is kind of looking like the odd man out here, but it's going to be see... It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. Simba, as far as offense is concerned, had a bit of a down year last season. He was still able to hit 264 a season ago with an OPS of 673. That was down, especially when you look at his previous numbers. That was his worst offensive season as an angel. But he was still elite defensively, as he always is. And he also did that while dealing with injuries a lot. He was banged up almost the entire season. So we never really saw a healthy the Andleton Simmons last year, and I, I think that a healthy Andleton Simmons could have a bounce back uh, this coming year, especially in a contract season uh, for Simmons. Then you go over and talk about third base, where the Angels are going to be incredible. For whatever reason, I don't know that fans truly appreciate just how big it is 
to have Anthony Rendon as the Angels' third baseman. For me, it's legitimate protection for Mike Trout that Mike has never had before. You are talking about somebody that is certainly a top 10 player in baseball. I'll argue top five or six player in baseball. I I think a position player. I think Anthony Rendon is that good. And I'm not the only one that thinks this. This is who MLB Network is calling their number two third baseman in the sport. Yes, Anthony Rendon comes in at number two after a huge year leading the Nationals to a World Series title and then signing a massive free agent contract with the Angels. Rendon had a 412 on base, slugged 598, and did so with plus defense in a big postseason run, helping the Nats break through years of postseason disappointment. Rendon has also been very consistent over the last three years, slugging over 530 each year and averaging 5.5 wins per season over that span. It's Brian Kenny giving you the numbers on MLB Network. The reality is Anthony Rendon checks every box. Elite hitter. Elite defender. Elite character. Humble guy. Good dude. Clubhouse guy. Winner. Coming off the World Series. Great season. Family man. Wanted to be in Orange County. Wanted to not deal with the Hollywood lifestyle. As he said in his press conference. I mean, he's the dream angel. I mean, he is he is in the same mold as Mike Trout. Nobody is Mike Trout. But Anthony Rendon is about as close as you can get, and he plays third base, a position that has been a hole for the Angels for a long time, you can argue, since Troy Gloss. It has been a long time coming for the Angels to have a dominant third baseman, and he does so not just as a hitter, but as a defender and as a good dude in the clubhouse. Anthony Rendon is a remarkable piece. And I know that fans wanted the Angels to be able to go get that top ace. They go get the Garrett Coles of the world. That didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen. But to get Anthony Rendon is a huge deal. And I hope fans can appreciate just how special it is to see two of the top five or six hitters in the sport back-to-back in the lineup or together in the same lineup. I mean, what a field day. Joe... Joe Madden is going to get uh, is, has a dream lineup with Trout and Rendon back to back. By the way, good for whoever's a leadoff man too. If, whether that be David Fletcher, oh my goodness, how would you like to be that guy with Trout behind you and then Rendon behind that? It just makes the Angels lineup so much more deep. And I know that there have been some fans that have said, "Well, the Angels needed pitching; they didn't really need the lineup help." Well, no, they did need a, another piece in the lineup. Now, but this isn't just a piece; this is a star that the Angels have brought in. He's also led the National League in doubles. Rendon has each of the last two seasons. He was a top three finalist for MVP last season in the National League. And I'm just thinking about Mike Trout and his ridiculous on base percentage that's already close to 500. Um, to think that he's going to get on base as often as he does. And then when you have Rendon, who's just a double machine, over 50 doubles the last two years, hitting right behind him. I mean, it's scary how many runs are going to come. That That's as tough of a duo as you're going to find in baseball. And I know the Dodgers are going to talk about, you know, having bets and, you know, they're with Bellinger. I will take Trout and Rendon 100 out of 100 times over any other duo in the sport. And when you throw Shohei Otani into the mix, that may be the best trio in baseball. Ridiculous how good the Angels are going to be when it comes to offense, especially at the top with Trout and Rendon together. By the way, my name is Trent Rush. You're listening to Halo's Hot Stove on Angels Radio AM830, also part of the Angels Recap Podcast. So if you're joining us on the pod, appreciate that. If you're not listening on the podcast and listening on the radio right now, go subscribe to the podcast and uh, get up to speed on all things Angels Baseball, angels.com slash podcast. Before we get to the outfield, too, I mean, while we're talking about 
this Angels lineup and getting ready for spring training, why don't you join the Angels at spring training? Go watch the Halos in Arizona. you got single game, group, and season seats for spring training on sale now. You can also go to the website, visit angels.com slash spring or dial 888-796-HALO today and join us down at Tempe Diablo Stadium for Angels spring training. First spring training game, February 22nd, right around the corner. Uh, Angels baseball uh, is basically here. Okay, let's talk about Justin Upton and the left field situation for the Angels. And you look at Justin Upton last season, he only played in 63 games. I mean, he had the the toe injury early on and then uh, hurt again much of the second half of the season. We did not really even get to see Justin Upton last year, and he struggled, I mean, last season. In the 63 games that he did play, only hit 215. He did hit 12 home runs, drove in 40. Um, That's actually not bad in 63 games. It gives optimism for me, especially after the year before, where he hit 257, 30 homers, 85 RBI. Now, that was really good. 808 OPS. If Justin Upton can be an 800-plus OPS guy for the Halos, I think that's going to be great. And I'm not saying Justin Upton, now coming into his age 32 season, has to be someone that is going to be giving you you know, 40 homers on 100 RBI, but if Upton can be in that 25 to 30 home run range, be in the 75 to 90 RBI range, and be able to hit 250 or better and have an OPS over 800, I think that'd be a really good thing for the Angels to have. I actually think the Angels can be pretty good at that sense in left field. Michael Hermosillo looks like he's the leader in the clubhouse as far as who could be the other outfielder that gets called up. For me, he is a good base running option for you. He can be a defensive replacement at times uh, for the Angels in left field. And I really think that we're going to probably have to see more David Fletcher out there. That might just be another way to get Listella and Fletcher in the lineup at the same time. That could end up happening. As far as the projections for the Angels, whereas uh, left field is concerned, it's about middle of the pack. They have the Angels at 14th in baseball. Uh, Fangraphs projects Justin Upton at 240 back batting average with a 781 OPS. So you'd like to see him be able to outdo those projections. But even still, uh, that that's a position that the Angels could still uh, have a benefit with. Uh, Justin Upton's going to have to have a bounce back, and I think he will once he's finally healthy. Spring training is going to be critical for Upton. He had that knee tendonitis, ended up getting shut down last year uh, in September. So he ended up having the PRP injection as opposed to having surgery on that. You know, It was determined that he didn't need surgery there in he could go with the PRP injection uh, and be able to come into spring training healthy, and that's going to be important for the Angels. And that's going to be, you know, I, I talked about, you know, mentioning some of the storylines later on. The storyline I'm going to be watching in spring is Justin Upton uh, and, and how he's able to do health-wise. Because I, I think an outfield with Justin Upton and then Mike Trout in center field, and then you know you're looking at Brian Goodwin right now in right, but eventually that could end up being Joe Adele. I, I think that that's that's an outfield that could be pretty special. And Upton's a major part in that as a, as a big league veteran. But now in his age 32 season, something to keep an eye on uh, in regards to Justin Upton. And mentioning Brian Goodwin, I, I think that he projects as probably being the right fielder going into the season. And we'll talk more about this in a minute. But I could see Brian Goodwin 
playing a lot of left field as well in the second half, possibly, really being that fourth outfielder once Joe Adele does get to the major league level. But I think he's going to have to start the year in right field. And, you know, it's probably going to be mostly Upton and left with a sprinkling of some Fletcher when Upton needs some days off. Maybe the Angels try to find some ways to get some DH games for Justin Upton, which is going to be hard to do when you have Shohei Otani and Albert Pujols. You know, you know Shohei gets first rider refusal at uh, DH, but there's going to be days – you know, when uh, Albert Pujols might be off and Shohei is pitching or, or Shohei is the day off and then Upton can try to get a DH day, that, that could end up happening. Or maybe, you know, Albert has to play an extra game at first base to let Upton uh, be able to be the designated hitter every once in a while. I, I think that that's going to end up being a situation that the Angels are going to have to monitor. I think the DH position is somewhere where the Angels are really deep with Shohei Otani and uh, Albert Pujols and Justin Upton, I think, is going to get uh, some DH at bats as well. Center field is obvious. It's about as easy as it gets. For Mike Trout, I mean, his third MVP season last year, you guys know everything there is to know about Mike Trout anyways. I don't know what else I can say other than I just want to look back at his numbers from last season and smile once again. 291 batting average, 45 home runs, OPS over 1,000, OPS plus 185. Just ridiculous. He drove in 104 runs last year. Third MVP, and this year, I think that Mike Trout is going to have a chance to become the first American League player in the history of baseball to have four AL MVPs. Um, I mean, he's got every accolade you can imagine. And I think Mike Trout's going to be able to continue doing what he's doing. I mean, what else is there to say about Mike Trout? I, I can't see a regression. I did see a tweet the other day that like it showed like Mike Trout's like worst possible season. It was still like 240, 35 home runs and over 100 driven in. Like that was like the worst case scenario on the like the 1% low end, like worst possible year for Mike Trout. And he would still be an all-star, uh, still be one of the best hitters in the sport. Uh, Fangraphs uh, very obviously calls the – center field position for the Angels, number one in all of baseball. They have Mike Trout a projected 8.9 war. That would be an upgrade from a season ago. That is assuming he gets um, you know, over 670 plate appearances. Um, they, they just they, they look at some of his numbers. I mean, it's just kind of stupid uh, what, how special uh, they think Mike Trout can be in 2020. The big thing for me, too, I think Mike Trout's going to score a ton of runs. I don't, I, you know, he had 11 stolen bases last year. I don't see him, you know, I, I mean, you know, I think that would be the high end for Trout to get stolen bases with Rendon behind him. I just think Mike Trout's going to score a ton of runs. Mike Trout could lead the league at runs scored this coming season. And Mike Trout has a chance to lead the league in RBI and runs next year. I don't know how many guys have done that. There, there can't be very many, if anybody. Mike Trout has a chance to do that. This can be an unbelievable year for Mike Trout. And that's after, you know, every year is an unbelievable year for Mike Trout. But I think this year can be especially good. Um, he's going to probably get some games where he has to DH. And then that's when, you know, you see Goody possibly in center field. Hermosillo would be that third option when you get a little bit deeper into it. But, uh, yeah, the Angels need Mike Trout to be in center every day uh, to contend for a playoff spot, to contend uh, for a chance to win a championship. And, um, you know, he is just leaps and bounds better than everybody else in that position. And, and you can argue leaps and bounds better than everybody else in baseball let's talk some right field now because this is an interesting spot for the angels brian goodwin a season ago had a really good start to the year struggled in the second half there's no question about that let's talk about some of these splits for brian goodwin because for me brian goodwin is more than likely going to be the opening day right fielder for the angels i do think that joe adele is going to be 
afforded the opportunity to earn the job in camp. I do not see the Angels as being the kind of club that's going to hold him out for service time when they think he's ready. With as competitive as the American League West is going to be, every game is critical. I mean, from the first pitch in Houston to get the season started all the way to the end of September, every game is going to be critical for the Angels. So you don't want to sit on a guy in Joe Adele if he's not ready. Now, the thing about Joe Adele, every level he has gone to, and, and he and I talked about this last week, and if you missed that you know, if you missed that interview, you can always check out the podcast, angels.com slash podcasts on iTunes as, as well. But Joe Adele always seems to need about a week and a half to two weeks to make that adjustment period to get to the big leagues. In spring training, it's going to be very interesting to follow Joe Adele to see how he does adjust now in his second year in big league camp. But going back to Brian Goodwin, his splits a season ago in the first half hit 276, seven home runs, 25 RBI in 75 games. Started 57 of those 75 games, had fewer starts, fewer games in the second half, and he, he hit worse as well. 245 um, in the second half. He did hit for a little bit more power, but fewer driven in. Um, you know, OPS actually was better in the second half than it was in the first half. But you go by month and you take a look at the year for Brian Goodwin. He, he was just bad in September. He had a bad September. The rest of the season was actually really good for Brian Goodwin. And that's going to be a critical piece for the Angels, and whether that be in a fourth outfield role, whether that be in a starting right field role. Um, um, I think we're going to end up seeing a lot of Brian Goodwin this year, and he's going to have to be able to produce like he did a year ago. I mean, three of the six months last season, he had an OPS over 1,000. Brian Goodwin, when things were good for Goody, they were incredible. And he also had some times where he struggled a bit, like I, like I mentioned, in September, October. But Brian Goodwin showed you know moments last year that, that he deserved to be in the lineup every day, and he, he got a lot of at-bats last season. I mean, I don't think Brian Goodwin could have possibly gone into last season dreaming he was going to get over 400 at-bats, especially when he got essentially cut by the Kansas City Royals right before spring or right before the season started at the end of spring training. Plus, he's a left-handed bat that can help get a little bit of balance into the Angels lineup. I think we're going to see uh, plenty of Brian Goodwin this year. I, I just think that probably by the time you know May, June rolls around, I, I do think that it's going to be Joe Adele that's going to be in right field. And, and you're talking about somebody that's you know as high as the number two prospect in all of baseball. Joe Adele projects as you know one of the best young players and rising stars in the game. And, and that's no fault to Brian Goodwin. Goodwin's still going to get his time, uh, but but Joe Adele. When he is ready, and he's got to prove it in spring training, then he's got to come up to the big leagues. You know that it's going to be a transition. It's going to be an adjustment for him. He's going to have to weather through that and show promise. There's a chance Adele comes up, goes back down, and then is up again. Look, that even happened to Mike Trout. There's a chance that happens again with Joe Adele. I think you have to be patient with Joe. And while Joe might end up being an all-star and a stud player for the Angels for many years to come, I do think that sometimes expectations have to be a little bit tempered in their rookie seasons. Not everybody has the kind of campaign like a Pete Alonso did last year. But if Joe Adele can be anywhere close to what some of the top rookies had last year that were projected similarly to Joe Adele, I think that Adele could have a, a major impact for the Angels, and Adele could be the X factor that takes the Angels to a team that is trying to scratch and claw and contend for a wild card spot to being a force that's going to push the Astros for a division championship and get into October and be a force in October. I think Adele's going to be an X factor. I think Upton's going to be an X factor. And I think on top of that, the pitching is going to be key. 
Do want to mention the DH spot for a moment. It's a position uh, in which Fangraphs feels pretty high about the Angels' chances uh, for what they can be uh, this year. And by DH, really, I'm saying Shohei Otani is going to get a bulk of the load as the uh, designated hitter. They see him as a top five DH in the sport. Uh, for what he can do as a hitter, his projected war is 2.7 for this coming year. And that's assuming he gets 560 plate appearances. Fangraphs sees him as being a 280 hitter. Uh, with a 353 on base and a 524 slug. That's just a little less than a 900 OPS. Plenty of reason to be excited about Shohei Otani, the hitter. And I, I think Upton and Pools are going to get some DH at bats as well. But I am fired up about the return of Shohei on the mound. Shohei Otani, the pitcher, is going to be back because we get a chance to talk about this rotation for a minute. Everybody's been saying, oh, where is the ace? You need the ace. You need that frontline guy. Well, yeah, I agree. The Angels, if the Angels could get another front of the rotation starter, that would be great. But Shohei Otani, just having him back, is that in so many ways? I mean, remember that nasty splitter that he has, and you know the velocity of you know close to triple digits, and what Shohei Otani could do in so many ways. We all remember what he was that first season. Uh, what he brought to the Angels in 2018 on the mound. I mean, it was remarkable. Made 10 starts at a 331 ERA in 51 and two-thirds innings. Struck out 63 in those 51 and two-thirds innings. I mean, Shohei Otani was like an ace. It was like having an ace on the mound. Shohei Otani was. Now, coming off of Tommy John surgery, you're going to have to be more patient with Shohei Otani because I think the Angels are going to ease him back into the rotation. And with the new rules this year, the Angels can have Otani in in the lineup and still pitch in minor league rehab games. And I think we're going to see that in April. I don't know how many rehab games Shohei Otani is going to need. I would suspect it's at least going to be a couple uh, before Shohei is back and at full go without any restrictions in the Angels rotation. I could see that happening maybe you know, mid, mid to end of April. Maybe it gets into May. But I, I just think you have to be patient with Shohei Otani. There's no book on how to handle this because Otani – you know, he may be in the lineup on opening day and we don't see him pitch until May. Like that that's a possibility. It's just something to keep in mind with Shohei Otani. So I think patience is going to be important to keep in mind there. But when Otani is pitching, he is that guy. And I will say this should the Angels get a spot in the wild card game, should they earn a wild card spot? To have Shohei Otani on the mound, I feel really good about that. Everybody keeps saying, who would pitch that wild card game? Well, it's easy for me. It's Shohei Otani. And Joe Madden has even expressed the possibility of having Otani hit in a game that he's pitching in. Maybe the wild card game is where that happens. Maybe you don't see it in the regular season, but the Angels get to October. Maybe that's where we get a chance to see that. And Shohei Otani back as being the two-way threat that he is. I think he's going to be a better hitter for it. And I think he's going to be a better pitcher now, finally healthy. I mean, look, it's it's been a while since he has been totally healthy. You could talk about 2016 as being the last time he had a, a, a full season where Otani's been 100% right. I mean, the Angels even kind of knew, everybody in baseball kind of knew when Otani was coming in. I don't want to say damaged goods, but they knew that you know he had some concerns in that elbow. Well, it's been cleaned up now, and Shohei Otani uh, can be the star that he is, both on the mound and in the batter's box as well. Let's talk about the rest of this Angels rotation that Fangraphs at the moment is ranking 23rd in baseball. It's improved from last year, and you knew it was going to be. The Angels rotation, uh, in terms of innings and in terms of ERA, was about as bad as you could be. Maybe only Baltimore had a worse starting rotation than the Angels. The Angels starters really struggled last year. 
But I could see Andrew Heaney being an opening day starter this year and providing a lot for the Angels. I mean, Dylan Bundy is going to be somebody that's going to be able to give you innings, and he has been a front-of-the-rotation starter before. Granted, it was in Baltimore on a bad rotation, but Bundy is going to be able to pitch a ton of innings. Julio Tehran has been an opening day starter each of the last six seasons. And, you know, you think about the number of games that he pitched well last year. It was right there with a lot of the top pitchers. Now he had some clunkers too, and that's something to keep in mind. Overall, with Atlanta last year, he ended up having a 10-11 and record in 174 and two-thirds innings. Uh, you know, the traditional stats like an ERA, 3.81. That's really good to get a sub-4 ERA. Uh, coming to you. His FIP was high, uh, but it's been down each of the last three years. His ERA has improved each of the last three years. And, you know, he eats up a ton of innings. And he's 29 years old. And I think Julio Tehran's going to be a really important piece for the Angels that's got a ton of experience. And, yeah, he's got mileage on that arm. There's no doubt about that. But I see that as a good thing because Julio Tehran has proven to be a durable pitcher. Same thing can be said about Dylan Bundy. To bring in two really durable major league caliber arms are going to be great. So, you know, I kind of suspect a rotation, just me just predicting, because I think it's going to be Otani is kind of like he's going to be on his own schedule. So I'm looking at like a five man rotation aside from Otani of having Andrew Keeney, probably Dylan Bundy's the next guy, then maybe Julio Tehran. And the guy for me, that I think has a chance to be special this year, somebody we've had on this show, and that's Griffin Canning. And Griffin Canning, as a rookie last year, made 17 starts, 5-6 and six record, and pitched to a 4-5-8 ERA. The turning point for me on Griffin Canning, I think it was a game in early August, it was like the long extra inning game, and, and he had to get, he was supposed to be the starter the next day and had to come out of the bullpen, and, and he ended up pitching in that game, and then kind of struggled a little bit after that. That was a hard thing for him to deal with, and and that's something he didn't get to go through his typical routine that day, and that was a bad outing for Griffin Canning that I thought carried over and probably makes some of his season numbers look a little bit worse than reality. Griffin Canning has a chance to be that guy that has a breakout in a sophomore campaign, make the leap, be that guy to prove that he can be you know, maybe a two or three starter in a rotation that he was projected to be. It actually wasn't in August. It was at the end of July. July 25th was the game where he came in against Baltimore in that really long game. Had a good next start. Went six innings. Didn't give up a run. Struck out seven. uh, Then got lit up against Pittsburgh. Didn't get past the fourth inning. Ended up finishing the year really strong in a good start against the White Sox. Went seven innings there. Um and uh, only gave up a run, five hits, struck out eight with just one walk. That was a really good start, and at that point, the Angels were pretty much out of a wild card race, and and he ended up getting shut down uh, for the rest of the season with some elbow inflammation, but uh, he says he's all good, and it's been a good offseason, and he's been full go uh, for some time. But I I really think Griffin Canning could be that next guy for the Angels, and I'm looking forward to him taking that leap. Now, the next question is who's going to be the next starter after that, and I'm probably looking at Patrick Sandoval as being that guy, and this is going to be something to keep in mind as you're watching spring training games. It could be Patrick Sandoval, maybe it ends up being Jose Suarez. Jose Suarez, who aside from the pitch tipping, was really good. Remember, he started so well when he first came to the big leagues, Jose Suarez did, and then 
there were a lot of pit, you know a lot of hitters were picking up some of his tendencies, and he got knocked around you know a significant way for much of the time he was at the big league level last year. Probably came up a season too soon. He probably wasn't quite ready yet. I mean, dude is only 22 years old, just turned 22. But then he actually finished the year I thought pretty well. He had some decent outings in there. He didn't give you a whole lot of length, uh, but I, I did think that he had some starts where he was, or I shouldn't say starts when he was used, uh, you know, with an opener in front of him when he when he was kind of the bulk guy. You know, he had a couple of uh, decent appearances, I thought, towards the end of the season. You know, most notably, the two against Houston at the end of the year. I thought he looked good at, at times there when you know, apparently some of his pitch tipping was corrected. So I think the ceiling is high for Jose Suarez, and it might just take time. And, and Dylan Peters had to work a ton last year. I think Dylan Peters, if he's somebody that ends up kind of being a spot starter for you, that could be a really good thing because he's a capable major league pitcher. When you're counting on him every fifth day, it's a little bit harder with Dylan Peters, you probably need one more guy, but you got to figure. I mean, you go into any season, you have to anticipate there are going to be injuries. There are going to be games uh, where a starter doesn't go, so you have to have organizational depth. And the Angels are going to have to get a lot of that from a, a variety of different areas. Jaime Berea may end up being somebody that fits in that same category. Uh, Matt Andres is somebody the Angels brought in who's going to go into spring training as a starter. Probably is going to end up being a reliever, but maybe he does get into a spot where he's got to start some games for you. You, He at least has that capability. You get him stretched out. It's a lot easier. You put him in the bullpen when he's already stretched out. I think Matt Andres, and that pickup was a good one for the Angels. Plus, Felix Pena is recovering from a torn ACL. He's back to throwing again. I don't know when he's going to be back. We'll monitor him during spring training. I sincerely doubt he'll be ready for the start of the season, but maybe by the middle of the season, you know, you have Felix Pena back in the mold. So you have a handful of guys that can help you in that sixth spot. I do agree that it'd be nice to see the Angels be able to pick up one more starting pitcher. I think the Angels are probably one starting pitcher away from having like an average rotation that's going to be good enough with an elite lineup to be able to contend for a playoff spot. And then, you know, maybe we get into July. And at that point, the Angels may make that move for the big ticket ace guy. At that point, if you're still in the mix, with a, if you can have this elite lineup that everyone's projecting, you can have a rotation that can be average or close to average, that could be good enough. If you're able to get to July and you're still in the hunt, maybe you're only within you know three or four games of Houston for the top spot in the division. Maybe you're within a game or two of the wild card. Then you can go and try to pull the trigger on making the big move that is going to help you make a push in October and try to win a World Series, trying to get that championship window cracked open. I think I think it kind of is cracked open right now with Mike Trout in his prime and Anthony Rendon together. I think the Angels have a real chance to be special this season. But there's no doubt you're going to have to get more from the pitching, and it's, it's going to come from guys internally being better. It's going to come from Shohei Otani being back, and you may have to go – You may have to see the Angels go get one more guy. That may have to happen for the Angels to contend. So as far as the starting pitchers are concerned, again, I just think as long as the Angels' rotation can be average, and I think it's probably one piece away from that, I think the Angels can be really, really good this season. I'm looking forward to that. I, I say without question, the Angels rotation is significantly improved from last year, uh, but probably still a little bit more to go. But it is a lot, a lot, a lot better than where it was a year ago at this time. 
Okay, I do want to just spend a moment talking about the bullpen for a second because there are some important names uh, to discuss in this Angels bullpen. I thought the Angels had a mid-tier bullpen last year. I thought they were kind of a a middle-of-the-road pen. But that's also considering the Halos had the most relief innings of any team in baseball last year. And the starters did not go long enough in games. Angel relievers were put into bad situations. I think that there are a couple of factors that are going to change our opinion of the Angels' bullpen instantly without any personnel changes. Okay, The first thought is I think that you're going to see starters go deeper into games. And part of that is because I think the starting pitching is going to be better this year than it was a season ago. But the second part of that is I think the games are going to be managed a lot differently this year than they were a year ago. I think Joe Madden's going to give these guys a little bit of a longer leash. I think Madden's also going to be able to set up the bullpen to where you're not using Ty Buttry in every high-leverage situation in April and May to where he's not effective in August and September. I think Ty Buttrey projects as a, a player that can be a true bona fide closer in MLB. I think his stuff is that good. And I, I could see him being like the next Troy Percival for this organization. Seriously. Uh, I really think that Buttrey can be that good. It's going to be an interesting battle to see who earns the closer role for the Angels. Hansel Robles was the Angels' closer last year, and he ended up having a great season. But I think we'd all agree that at least coming into the year and for what we saw the first few months, for most of last season, Ty Buttrey was the Angels' best reliever. Uh, you know, I expect you get Cam Bedrosian back. I, I think Cam is going to be somebody that can be really important for you in maybe that seventh inning role. That's a good spot for Cam to be in. I don't know that Cam Bedrosian's a closer, but I think if Cam's in the seventh inning for you, I think that's not a bad place to be. Obviously, tough news earlier uh, in spring training with Justin Anderson, how he he hurt his oblique in basically the first day of workouts, and and he's going to be starting the season on the injured list. That's not great news. Anderson did not have a great 2019 after I thought he was really good at moments uh, in 2018. So I'll be anxious to see Justin Anderson get back and get into the mix for the Angels. Now, as far as some other relievers are concerned, I'm really excited about Keenan Middleton finally being available for an entire season season coming off the Tommy John getting into the mix uh, I, I think Middleton can be somebody that you can rely on in the back end uh, you know in a in a spot where maybe you know Robles or Buttry isn't available you can be comfortable with Keenan Middleton in the eighth or ninth inning I, I really think that uh, that's something that you're, you're good with with Keenan he has shown that he can close he's done it before Noe Ramirez is a valuable piece that can give you a uh, length as well and you can use him a variety of different ways you know Matt Andres Coming over, you know, unlikely to be in the Angels starting rotation, probably going to be a bullpen piece for the Angels, but that is a veteran that's done it before. Mike Mayers comes over. He's another player that's going to provide some value to the Angels as far as the bullpen is concerned. And, and then you got the mix of the guys, right? The the uh, Taylor Coles, the Luke Bard. The Angels brought in Kyle Keller this year. They brought in Jose Quijada uh, just a couple of days ago. It sounds like Felix Pena is uh, doing well and hoping to have him ready for opening day. Well, We'll have to wait and see there. Uh, but there are a number of players now in the Angels' bullpen that I think that can provide value, especially if they are used right. And I have a, a very strong sense that the Angels' bullpen is going to be um, managed a lot better this year than uh, what we had seen previously. So I think that's going to be good news for the Angels. I think that, that even with a very similar relief personnel to what the Halos had a year ago, I just think that there are just, just some basic changes uh, are going to allow the Angels' pen to succeed. And, and I thought that
thought that they were um, an, an average bullpen last year when they were put in terrible situations. I think that if you take an average bullpen that was in bad spots and actually put them in some good spots, I think they can be an above-average bullpen. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the Angels' bullpen is going to do. I'm looking forward to spring training games actually getting started. That begins on February the 22nd. Uh, it's a party out in Arizona. Hopefully you all get a chance uh, to get out there. And then the season coming up March 26th, Halos will open in Houston. And then April 3rd, the Astros uh, come by the Big A for opening day here in Anaheim. It's going to be a party. Thanks to all of you, by the way, for joining us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, plus give us a rating, a review. We'll take any kind of feedback. It is much appreciated. For Howard Drescher and Alejandro Valenzuela, take care of business in the studio for us. My name is Trent Rush. We will see you out in Tempe. Big, big show coming up next week. You will absolutely not want to miss that. So make sure you're a subscriber so you can be first to get that notification and check out everything we got going in Arizona. See ya!